0: Billy Joel New York state of mind it introduces our New York correspondent Australian Philip Brown and his family who've lived in Manhattan for 15 years raising twin girls through the tough two years of COVID but he reports things are returning to normal he gives us his thoughts on the elephants in the room for the USA President Biden facing midterm elections in November Donald Trump looking to run for the top job again, and the impact of Vladimir Putin's war against Ukraine and his stated nuclear threat. We ask, just what is the New York state of mind?
1: Phil, welcome back to the show. Great to have you there, mate. Thanks, Graham. Good to be back with you. Nice to hear your voice again.
2: And yours. Now, I gather that things have improved greatly in New York City, although there are a few commentators on the net just talking about this latest spike of the Omicron variant or variants.
1: Are you actually seeing that? Yeah, we're definitely hearing about it. There is a a spike in cases, although that hasn't really resulted in a spike in hospitalisation. So this seems to be a more contagious version than any other. So more people are catching it. But the the symptoms seem relatively mild. So uh, people aren't uh, getting into the hospitals, which is a great thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's where, um, that was the big issue with Delta variant, wasn't it? That um, it hospitalised a lot of people and obviously the more in hospital, the more in ICU, the more on ventilators uh, and it just goes down the gurgler from there.
1: Yeah exactly but uh, really in New York people are out in the streets they're you know they're out in the restaurants the bars the clubs it's uh, it's full on the tourists are back a um, lot of a uh, lot of people now in times square that that's you know that had been empty for almost a couple of years uh, people queuing to you know uh, line up and go up to the empire state building And taking the view, so it it seems to be bouncing back very well.
2: Oh, I remember Uh, you sent us a photo of the naked cowboy standing very all alone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, he's now pulling in big crowds again, so he's uh, he's pretty happy that the... uh, the pandemic is over, uh, almost over anyway,
2: it seems yeah. to be. Oh, well, that's good news. Now, you're, uh, you were saying to me that um, one of the issues that your daughters faced um, and, and the kids in her school, in their school, sorry, uh, was that there's concern among parents that um, not every student, maybe some who hadn't been vaccinated, would be able to participate in some of the social activities uh, because they just didn't want the risk. Uh, what, I mean, what's the current situation? Are the schools full of COVID or uh, what, what's going on in that, that level?
1: The schools seem to be relatively safe. In fact, um, you know, my, uh, my girls' school, they, they um, send out a report every week of the number of cases. There are currently four uh, cases within you know, about 1,000 kids. So it's a very low number, uh, but it does affect them if one of their friends is having a sleepover. Uh, there might be, a you know, a couple of the girls that aren't invited if they haven't been vaccinated. So and some of the parents are being very careful about that.
2: Right. And that's an, almost an open secret as to who is and who isn't, is it?
1: Yeah, everyone knows who is and who isn't. It's wow. Pretty, uh, it's pretty open between the girls, you know, between the kids at school.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And um, so I want to ask you about some other... That was the P of Pandemic. I want to ask you about a couple of other P's that are what I'd call the elephants in the room in New York City. And we played Billy Giles' New York State of Mind. So I guess I'm going to ask you to give me your version of the New York State of Mind on the P for presidents and, of course, that other P rollicking around uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, the P for Putin and how that might impact the people of New York and, uh, I guess, more broadly, uh, the American uh, population. So um, let's say the pandemic is uh, sort of under control, and you're now opening up, which is a great thing. Um, how yeah. are the presidents, uh, both the incumbent and the man who would be president again, what's going on there?
1: Well, the incumbent um, seems to be uh, lacking in popularity at the moment. He um, He's doing some good things but doing it at a slow pace and I think a lot of people have you know been generally concerned about the expenditure, um, you know trillions of dollars in in handouts. Uh, so people see him as having a very heavy social agenda. On the other hand, um, the ex-president he's sitting down in Florida, marshaling his uh, his troops. he's built quite a war fund and uh, is actively, Sponsoring certain candidates for the upcoming uh, midterm election in November. Right. Uh, most most of the Senate and the House are still scared to say anything sort of against uh, the Trumpster. So he seems to still be in a, a position of power, but uh, people are starting to question his uh, his competency. They we're starting to see a little bit of dementia creep in here and there. Oh, um, really? So. So, yeah, that's been a a topic of conversation for the last couple of months.
2: So uh, he may not be the president, but he might be the puppet master. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because he's he's naming candidates and everything, isn't he? Yeah, he is.
1: He's he's naming candidates, he's backing them, um, and he's also... um, Fighting some of the incumbent uh, Republicans, those that he called "rhinos," right. Republican Republican in name only.
2: Yeah, that's a clever acronym, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, very. So he's trying to remove as many of those as he can from the Senate. So he's backing challenges to their Senate seats, and I'm sure he'd love to see the back end of McConnell as well.
2: Yeah, um, he, he seems to be very quiet about his mate Vladimir Putin. They had a pretty close relationship, uh, maybe too close, some would argue, uh, but he's not saying much now.
1: Well, he made a a statement about two months ago about the fact that uh, Putin seemed to be very smart, very clever, and uh, was, you know, that a good third of uh, Ukraine was independent and it was a great idea for him to send in peacekeepers. (laughs) um, He copped a lot of flack over that. And so. He's been pretty much silent on the subject ever since. I, I think he's just uh, letting Biden uh, take any flack over, you know, what happens. So uh, he he can't really come out in support of Putin anymore because he did. Uh, there was a lot of um, pushback when he did that, mm. and he doesn't want to be seen to supporting Biden's efforts. So. Um, his strategy at the moment is just to stay, uh, you know, mum on the on the entire subject. I think. Yeah. For
2: the moment. Well, um, we'll get to Putin in a little more detail shortly. But I just want to ask you: Is there any chance that there might be a switcheroo at the top of the Democratic uh, White House? Is there any chance that uh, he may step aside? He, he he certainly seems to walk tentatively and to yes. talk a bit. Tentatively, He, uh, you know, if you'd said dementia, I would have immediately thought um, of Biden, maybe not Trump so much.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, he is definitely uh, a little more fragile, I think, than he was when he took on the role. Mm. Um, you know, he's not a young man. I think he's 79 now. So he's, uh, you know, he's getting on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a high pressure role. It's, uh, you know, they're working 16 hour days. So I, I guess it, you know, it catches up, but,
2: uh, is Kamala Harris um, up to it, uh, Phil?
1: Well, people have been roundly disappointed with Kamala Harris, to be honest. She was put in charge of, uh, border control when, when they first took office and really hardly a thing seems to have happened there. So, uh, the Trump supporters are very much up in arms about uh, about the fact that she's done nothing, and uh, I think the Democrats are fairly disappointed with her performance to date. To be honest, so I don't see that being a switch that they would want to make any time soon. To
2: be right, honest. right, okay. So let's uh, just consider Putin. He's made a very overt threat. Um, it seems to be towards the US. I'm not suggesting he's going to drop a nuke on the US, but uh, how do you think the public are reacting? Do they fear Putin in any way or is it a fear on behalf of NATO and the neighbours? The,
1: the fear is, well, <clears throat> Putin has played... Um, his strategy used to say, look, if uh, if NATO and the US gang up and start supporting... Uh, Ukraine with things like um, uh, you know tactical sort of weapons that he doesn 't uh, think they should aircraft he was very much against them um, implementing a no fly zone and threatened to use um, nuclear weapons so there's that that's a big uh, a big stick that he's holding over everyone at the moment and that 's why this war is really continuing. No one is really game to see whether Putin is crazy enough to press the button or not.
2: Um, There was a photo this morning, I don't know if you saw it, of his nuclear bomber flying over Ukraine. It's clearly a much, much larger aircraft than almost anything around it. I think he had fighter jets around it. Well, that's a pretty overt uh, sort of threat, isn't it? Whether it's yeah, empty or it
1: is, not. Yeah, it is an overt threat, and that's the kind of threat that he likes to use. And uh, Europe is a lot closer to uh, to him than we are in the US. So they would feel, I think, uh, even more threatened. So NATO is treading carefully. The US is treading carefully. They're sending incredible amounts of weapons into Ukraine, actually. Right. But definitely not aircraft... Some of the tanks and things are being supplied by some of the European countries. But, um, yeah, that's the threat that he has.
0: That was New York correspondent Phil Brown speaking with Graham Kemlo.
2: This is The Travel Writer Show on jair 88 fm in Melbourne.